Hey, it's Shelly Giglio, and you're listening to The Grove Podcast. If you're anything like us, you're probably gearing up for summer plans right now. You've decided that it's a good time to take a little break. So we've got some really special episodes for you before we take a break, and you'll also be able to catch up on any episodes that you missed while you're just chilling out poolside, drinking that lemonade. We recently just had our last Grove of Season 6, which is completely mind-blowing that God has been so faithful to us for such a long period of time. We were able to end with one of my dear friends, Don Cherie Wilkerson, who preached literally the house down that night. She and her husband, Rich, serve as pastors at VU Church in Miami. They have a precious son named Wyatt, which is just a phenomenal story of God's faithfulness, even how they were able to be pregnant with him. It's amazing to hear her talk. She was able to join me and sit down for just a short conversation. While she was here, we talked about things like her family. We talked about walking through infertility. We talked about our husbands and how it feels to work with them day in and day out. You're really going to love the podcast. It was one of the most special conversations I've had in a long, long time. So here is my chat with Dawn Cherie Wilkerson. So I have a perfect guest for the Grove podcast today. She's one of my most favorite people, and she's in the house with us, and I love it. It's Dawn Cherie. Dawn Cherie, welcome to the Grove podcast. We're thrilled you're here. I'm so happy to be here. It Thank you for having so me. It makes me so glad that you're having this moment. And oh. we were laughing earlier just talking about the fact that if we weren't sitting here with microphones and headsets— that we would just be sitting in a coffee shop instead, but we probably still have the same conversation. It's so true. <laughs> I like that we can let everybody in on it. Actually, it feels a little more official, but it's good. Share it with all of our friends. I the feel Grove. good about I'm that. Just, I'm happy to be here uh, with you. I'm thrilled for that you are. So we met each other a lot of years ago. Um, yes. And somewhere along the way, interestingly enough, and I was recounting to a friend, that last time Rich, your husband, was here, he was reminding me that as a college student, he used to drive to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. We both did. Which I think is the craziest. We I, It's would like drive. a part of my life that I've kind of forgotten about a little bit. Not 722. That was a profound season of our life. But honestly, that you guys would have been in that room blows my mind a little bit, given that we're such friends now and that we've kind of come full circle to this place of knowing each other in this moment in life. I'm like, what the what? It's crazy to think about because we were in college in Tennessee and we would drive just for 722 and the imprint that you and Louie put on our hearts really by seeing this movement of young adults is what led us to go back to Miami right out of college and serve with Rich's parents who they pastor inner city church in Miami. And it's what we witnessed at 722 that really lit a fire in our hearts to start a young adult ministry in Miami. And that was the beginning of really just stepping into ministry for us. We dove head first. Yeah. I was thinking earlier just about um, Rich's parents and such a heritage um, in both of your family's lives that have built into your ministries. I'm um, so grateful for them. I yeah. mean, honestly, I not very many people have that kind of legacy in their life as they step into being ministers of the gospel, that you guys kind of have it on both sides. So talk about that, what that's meant to you. Well, Rich and I have been together for 17 years now. I've actually known him longer than I have not Isn't known him. Isn't that crazy when you cross that line? It's like, what? <laughs> that what was, was the, life before you? We crossed that threshold that's this amazing. year. Just amazing. And so when, when I met Rich, you know, when you marry a person, you marry their family. Mm-hmm. And when Rich and I fell in love, I came to Miami, I remember, as a 17-year-old and met his entire family. Wow. And the 
beautiful, crazy, miraculous backstory is that our parents did not introduce us, and we had never met in the first 17 years of our life. But our parents' relationship goes back even before my dad had met my mom. Yeah, they both in ministry, both sides of our family, and yeah, just we're so grateful for them. They're our heroes as far as people that we process with, people Mm -hmm. that speak wisdom into our life, people that protect us, and who we want to be like. It's Rich's parents, my parents. I love them so much. Yeah, and even just thinking about in ministry when you guys started in Miami, which, you know, we love that city. God has done so much in our hearts over time in that city and made so many promises to us that he's fulfilling in these days. Beautiful. And so we love that place and just seeing the church come alive there through what you guys are building is it's Voo Church. If you want to check it out, you definitely should. But it's unbelievable the power of God in these days to build his promise, which is, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell won't stop me. I'm going to build my church. And to watch it happen in Miami in a city that we love so much has been really special. But you guys started at Rich's family's church there yes, and just served faithfully for so many years, building among students primarily, which I love. We have that in common. Yes. Yeah. And just seeing God... um, I think bring dead people to life, really. It's, it's honestly true. what you've been watching. Yeah, we were in Miami Gardens is the area where his parents to this day pastor an incredible, thriving, beautiful church. And that. it's it's a really rough part of Miami. It's one of the more dangerous areas. It is in the inner city. And what's beautiful about Rich's parents is they're not looking to just open up the doors on Sunday. Mm. Uh, the doors are open seven days a week, mm. whether it's through after-school programs, um, different summer camps. And, and so for Rich, he moved from, if you can imagine, Tacoma, Washington to Miami, Florida when he was 14 years old. You talk Amazing. about culture shock. Yeah, that's a big one. It's pretty much as far as you can go in the United States. And so he moved to Miami and is all of a sudden trying to take salsa lessons just so he can go to 15-year-old birthday parties. <laughs> so he can fit you in. Know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Hard. He's like, where am I? But immediately got immersed in this church as they're working. And he started to lead the summer camps and just found his heart in ministry. And so as we came back there, we started a young adult gathering called The Rendezvous, mm. which now our church's name is VU. And people often say, what does that even mean? And it's like, well, it started as The Rendezvous, which is a meeting place, right. worshiping God, connecting with others, and, and lovingly, everyone shortened it to VU. Yeah. And then, amazingly, God's final plan was that we would discover that VU means you in French. So and beautiful. So when we say VU Church, it's you, yeah. that we are the church, we're the body, we're the building, every single stone. And so we were there doing young adults, and Rich was the executive pastor. I led worship for, I think, eight years. And over those, probably the last five years, a conversation with Rich's parents started mm-hmm. to take place of, we feel in our heart, we're to we're called to plant a church in the heart of Miami, right down in the middle of the city. And they walked through that convo with us. And then eight years into our journey in Miami, blessed us to plant that church. Yeah. And just feeling like you have that authority in your life that people who know you best. Yes. And who understand what God needs to do in you for that to become a reality. Yes. So they're church planners themselves. They understand the heart that it takes to stand in these days. And so for that to be able to be given to you so that you could then plant and believe and start and pray and see God open doors and break down walls in a city that is familiar. Right. 
but yet you're in a different spot in that city. I just think it's the kindest gift of God. It is. And we couldn't have, have done it without them. Yeah. Without our parents behind us going, yeah, this is the way. Like, That's walk amazing. in it. You know, let's go. Like, God's for you. We're for you. And Miami is a very unique city. Yeah. What you said is true. It's a melting pot. There's so many different cultures represented. So when I moved to Miami and started serving with Rich's parents, uh, the first language in their church would have been Creole and still is. Just beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. And then as we moved just a few miles away, 15, 20 minutes to um, the design district and to um, Midtown and all of these, we're actually, our first location was in Wynwood. I know, and, such a yeah, special place. In Wynwood. So there, the first primary language would, would be Spanish and then you would Portuguese yeah. and then Creole. And so I, I just love our city. It's very diverse and beautiful. And yeah, God's moving. And such a gateway to other places in the world. It is. I think because of there being over time so many immigrants to that city. Yes. That all of those people are reconnected to their families in other places in the world. And it's a sending ground for the gospel. I think God is just opening the door, not just in the people's lives who live in Miami, but then to the people all over Earth because of those people that live in Miami. It's true. People are coming through. Yeah. They're here for a year. They're here for two years. We get the opportunity to speak love and life over them and sow seeds and then bless them as they go on to Beautiful. their next mission place, you know? So cool. Hey, you mentioned worship as a part of your heritage, and it's one yeah. of the things I love about you is that you're a worshiper, and you have a long history of leading people, writing songs being invested in our voice and what it says to God and how we're depending on Him in our lives. And I love that about you. And I I think you continue to get to do that some. I think you're primarily known now as a speaker, which is amazing, a preacher. And yet you have all this worship swirling in your heart. What a great combination of gifting. I love worship. Yeah, I, I think for me it's been a, a refuge. It's been a place of um, healing for me yeah. in seasons where I didn't have an answer, but I could sense the presence of God and I could pour my heart out. Same. And I think that worship, so much is happening every time we gather corporately that we don't even know in people's hearts mm -hmm. just as we lift our voices. I think that music is supernatural. I think it transcends every language and every single culture. Music is a it's an integral part of yeah. every single community. And so for me, I grew up in a family that was full of music. I'm so telling you, my, everyone yeah. <laughs> in your family is like so freaking talented. I love my family. It's just a lot of fun. So there's, first of all, there's seven kids in my family. I have five brothers, one sister. And growing up, my dad's, he's a, he played professional football. He's a pastor, but he's a musician. Beautiful. He loves to write music and he's a worshiper. And then my mom, she's a singer and a writer and when I was two years old, I have an older sister, and she had just given birth to the third kid in my family. And she's going, okay, these kids are fighting. They're not getting along. Lord, my prayer is that they would be best friends. And so she wrote a song called Best Buddies. Wow. We're going to be the best buddies this world has ever seen. We'll be loyal to each other, and we'll share everything. I know it sounds like a miracle, but that's just what we'll be. Because with Jesus, he'll make buddies out of you and me. No and way. Yes. That's so beautiful. I hope everyone listens <laughs> to that over and over. But she Sing it over your song. children. Yes. She wrote it and it became, you know, a mantra for our family. And then out of that wow. desire for us to be each other's 
biggest uh, champions. She wrote hundreds of songs over a period of 15 years. And so what happened is we ended up building a studio in our home. Every month I was in the studio from 10 to 16, recording these songs of life that now I play for my son. That's so beautiful. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think it's so important, the words of life that we speak over the next generation. It's never too early to start putting words of life and teaching them how to think about themselves and about other people and the world around them. And that's really what my mom, my mom did through music. So I think I carry that conviction. And I, I love to write music. I love to write love music. I love to write lullabies. I love to write worship. It all goes together for me. It's just all a part of our life. I love that so much. And I love that even thinking about our lives today, that we don't have to necessarily be separated by different gifting categories. No. Like, oh, wow, well, my gift is this. So I guess I can't do that. It feels like you're you're living in a day where everything works together. And I refuse to be defined by Same. a gifting. Yeah. Because none of that's promised, you know? Yeah. And it's just something for us to steward in this season. I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I used to be so afraid to speak, so afraid to sing. That's a big part of my testimony. I, I uh, at 16 years old, yeah, I would hide in church. My dad would call me up in the middle of the service. Wow. And so I, I wouldn't be able to focus on the sermon. I'd be so psyched out out of fear that he was going to call me up to sing. And God really freed me of that. The Holy Spirit really freed me Beautiful. of that. Gave me courage to stop thinking about myself, like get over myself, yep. think about the people in the room. And so Yeah, I think it all just goes together, right? Wherever we can serve in church. I I just, I love the church. Me too. And preaching is such a small part of what I do on a weekly basis at our church. I love that you have the overcoming fear as a part of your story because, you know, I didn't didn't go on a stage for 20 years Um, on purpose. I... I, I like to say that it wasn't my primary gifting, and so it was an excuse, I think, to not be present in that environment. But the truth was I was afraid. You know, I was afraid that I would get up and not, you know, I'm married to Louie, so what are you going to say that's compared to that? Oh, it's pretty much a lot of pressure. Your voice is so needed. But yeah, I, but, you know, it's interesting for you to 100%. understand that and and to not be afraid that somehow— you know, people used to call me all the time. Hey, can you come speak at such and such? And I'd be like, No, I. Louis a speaker, and my whole uh, yeah. testimony was one speaker per family. You know, we're good. We got all we can manage. And, <laughs> and you God know, you've laughing. been around Louis, so you understand one speaker per family is a lot. Um, <laughs> but the truth is that God, you wanted to use my voice just like He wanted to use yours in seasons. And I think because I was, I was hiding. Yeah, I was, I was. I say now that God, it was a gift to me because I think God got to cultivate some things in me in dark places yes. where I didn't have light shining on me that actually needed to be cultivated. Yeah. And I don't regret one moment of it. I would way rather be in a dark hallway letting God speak over and into my life and refine me than I would be on a stage having to produce something for people that I don't know if I mean. So true. And I think when you've come from a place of being paralyzed by fear, you realize how much that limits your life and you don't ever want to go back once you've stepped out. You realize that freedom. And I think for me, and 
for you the same. It's like we're not just speaking for speaking's sake. Right. Like there's something that God lit on fire within our spirit that's enough right. to make us step out of our fear right. and forget about ourselves. Yeah. And that's really all we need in life. It's yeah. like when what we carry is real enough that yeah. we can stop, um, you know, measuring ourselves up, picking ourselves apart. Uh, it carries the strength we need to walk through those doors God opens. That's so good, Don Cherie. I, I when I listen to you speak, I hear so much authenticity in your voice. And it doesn't feel like that you came to give a talk. It feels like there's something burning in your soul. And when you step up, I feel like I want to listen and lean in. And I know the whole world feels that way. And I think sometimes it's because we've measured our output. Yeah. And we've let the input into our lives be stronger than the output. Yeah. (laughs) So that we really actually, when the light does shine on us, have something, I think, worth saying. I think it's such a struggle. It is. And particularly, I think, when you've been um, maybe gifted with that gifting your whole life. And I think about Louis Rich, other people like them, who it's obvious that God's gifted them for this moment. It's so clear that God has put a clarion call in their life and through their voice to the nations. And it's beautiful. And yet there's so much pressure. What will next week be? How could God ever come through enough again? Yeah. You know, it's just a lot. It is wild to think about the pressure that they carry on a yeah. weekly basis. It's intense. You know? The it really demand is. on their life. Right. And even people's measuring it. Yeah. You know, like, well, I, I like that talk pretty well, but I wish, you know, it had been the other one. Or like have you ever heard the one they actually society. gave 20 years ago and it was really strong then? Yeah. And I mean, you're just like, man, I'm just trying to live with God every day and, you know, talk about the things of God. But it's it's intense. And I think, you know, so one of the best ways I've figured out, and I want to talk to you just about being married to a guy that you work with, yes. because I do the same. Yeah. But one of the best ways I've figured out to help him manage that process is prayer. And awesome. I can't always be in that pressure point with him. I can't carry that uh, intense scrutiny that he lives in every day. Yes. But I can pray the power of God over and through his life. And I can ask God to be merciful to him so that he would, when he steps up, have something to talk about and that he would be more consumed with knowing God than he would about actually just talking about God. And um, man, it changed my life when I realized that I had a role in that. It's making me cry. Yeah. But it, um, it changed not just him. I think it changed me. Yeah. And made me aware of what I had, pow- what kind of power I had in my hand. Yes, um, as a wife. And so, talk about you're you're equally gifted in so many ways, but you're such a support to Rich. And I watch you intentionally be not just his equal, but also his support. And that's an intense role to figure out. Yeah, I think anytime you live so closely to someone who, like you were saying, they carry so much and they care so much about it. It's one thing to lead and to be cavalier about it. It's another thing to really care about every detail, to care about every person, to, to have a vision, not just for the here and now, but see what's ahead and mark every step and count the cost. And that's the kind of man I'm married to. I, I love him. Yeah, he is it. a lot of fun when he's around people, but he is a very deep well that counts every single step. And so watching him up close, the way that he leads people, the way he creates community, the way that he creates vision for our church, um, it's something that I, I really, I, I mean this with all sincerity, I really revere it. Mm. And I really honor it. Same. 
and I want to protect it, and I I want to steward the opportunity to be his biggest encourager. I don't always get it right. Yeah, you know, me working either. together, yeah, it can get tricky. I mean, yeah, we work in different departments, but there are times when we're working together, and our personalities they couldn't be more different. It's part of the Same, reason girl. why we're crazy in love. You yeah. know, it's like, but it's that, it's that edge, and it's that. Um, Trusting God and and breathing before you speak and waiting and choosing to to choose the right time to talk about things. It's all those things that on the journey that I'm I'm still learning. Yeah. And then choosing to trust the Holy Spirit in Him, I think has been a huge step for me because I am not the Holy Spirit in His life. Right. Bottom line. And when I've tried to be, I've actually messed things up. Yeah. And so I think there's had to be a, a, an understanding in my life that, yes, we fell in love when we were kids. But God's shaping him into the man that God has called him to be, and he is the leader of our home. And yeah. I get to walk alongside him, and I want to speak life. I don't want to withhold it. We we see too many losses all around us every day to not say what we need to say to the people that we love the most. Yeah. But, yeah, don't get it right every day. We uh, we work together five days a week. It's awesome. Yeah, same. And we're we, I think, I out. honestly think that people enjoy Louie and I being in meetings together because they know, oh. hey, one voice <laughs> is going to come from this direction. And the girl at the other side of the table or other end of the table or whatever the ends are is going to come from the other direction. You make me and feel so good right it's now. It's fairly entertaining, I think, for I most think of our team. Too. They're like, golly, just being in a meeting with you guys is the greatest thing. I think our team would say exactly the same. It keeps it very interesting and alive. Yes, it does. There's no question that God has to be in control because there's no way that otherwise it's going to come to any great conclusions. Yeah. And it's it's true. I mean, I I um I pray every day that God will muffle my voice where it needs to be muffled and yeah. that he will clarify it where it needs to speak up and that he has control of the volume and tone. I love that. So that when I do talk that it has the weight that it's intended to have, but it doesn't feel weighty yes. where it's not supposed to be. And even with you talking about the way you encourage Rich, I, you know, we can all be crushing we can. with our words and weighty in places that it's not intended to be weighty. And man, that stewardship of our tongue and uh, what James talks about pretty clearly of how we're supposed to be in control of that is one of the biggest challenges in life that all of us have. It's true. Particularly in a marriage and then particularly when you work together literally 24 hours a day. You're, you're in the same vicinity and heartbeat and it's a lot to manage, but mostly from the standpoint of managing ourselves. It's true. In that process. It's our tongue. Yes. Every single time, it's my tongue that gets me in trouble. Yeah. And it's like, just because you're a great encourager doesn't mean that you can't tear people apart in the same breath. And yeah. I know I've done it too many times, yeah. you know? And so figuring out that balance, listening to the Holy Spirit, being patient, really trusting Him for the right time. And I love you said, wait a second before you say something. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a gift. To just push pause in the right moments and to wait for God to impress what you should say and not just blurt out, you know, what you feel in the moment. So that's a gift. Hey, um, talk for a second because we have some exciting news. Yes. Oh, goodness. The timing. I mean, yes, uh, let's, just in let's time. be honest. I wanted the whole entire fo- the focus of the podcast <laughs> to be this. Uh, you have a precious baby boy, Wyatt, who is one of the cutest children ever. But Thank that you. has been so. the gift of God to your life after a long, long process of infertility. Right. You've been really honest about the, the the hardship that you've walked through to get to the point where Wyatt was a gift to your lives. 
But you also have another piece of exciting news that I'd love for you to tell everybody. Absolutely. So we went on an eight-year infertility journey with our first child, Wyatt. And it was a it was longer than we planned. Yeah. And in the midst of it, God really revealed himself. He revealed his kindness. He revealed his presence. It's those broken seasons where I feel like God is the closest mm. to us. He promises mm. us that. But after we had Wyatt, um, God's been so kind because here we are. He's not even a year and a half yet. And I'm pregnant with That's another so boy. Exciting. I mean, literally, it's crazy. It's amazing. And it's the gift of God. And you know that it is. And that's what I love about you and Rich is that you're aware, you know, of the gift that God is giving you. And you're such grateful people. Kindness. Like we, there's nothing about waiting that makes us deserve something more. It's every single gift that God gives us. It's just a gift. That's all it is. It's a gift gift from God. We don't deserve it. But here we are and I'm 14 weeks pregnant. I can't even believe it. It's another boy. Like when you have five brothers, I mean, I am so fired up about that. They're going to be brothers. They're going to grow up together. And so close in age and such good friends. So close. I just thinking about the buddies um, song that you just sang and then thinking about your children singing that about each other. I can't wait. It's the most beautiful thing. It really is. And so congratulations. Thank you. From the bottom of our heart, we are <laughs> so happy. I'm so happy. Now I can shout it from the rooftop. It's I mean, not I a think secret. two little riches is just too much, too. <laughs> I love that you're going to have that yes, in your home. It's true. Actually, three little riches. Yeah, let's three. Be honest. three. <laughs> let's be honest. Amazing. So thank you, Jesus. We just want to be sure that we give credit yes. to the person thank who actually is God. giving life. Yes. yes. It's so cool to watch. It is. It's beautiful. And I'd let you know about it before we announced it. And you'd been praying with us. Because honestly, this time around, um, once we conceived, it was tougher the first trimester than the last. We've had two really close scares with this precious baby. And we're just so grateful to have made it to this point. And um, just trusting him every step of the way. That's all we can do is take it week by week and and thank him, you know. We were um, talking earlier, we were just talking about the pregnancy, just about the long road. Yeah. And that sometimes the most direct path to the promise of God isn't the route that we get to take. It's true. But we get to wander around. I think about the Israelites who had the promise the whole time, but they ended up wandering around the desert. Um, some, Some because of their disobedience, but a lot because God just knew they weren't quite prepared for what they were about to encounter. It's true. And I don't know, it feels like in my life that I feel like sometimes I'm in circles. I'm like, I know the promise. I know where I'm going to end up. Yes. But man, the path to getting there is so indirect. Yes. And what is the purpose in this, God? What are you teaching me? And he always is. But I just think it's interesting that our lives all have that in common, right? Every single person listening to this is thinking, why did I have to go the most indirect path to get to this point? And I feel like your your pregnancies have been a little bit that. I know other things in your life have been as well. What do, you, what do you feel about all that? Well, I think none of us are exempt from seasons of waiting. Yeah, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with infertility, although 
there's such a large percentage of women in yeah. our world facing that today. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be uh, communicated in a loving way to people's hearts. But everybody goes through waiting seasons. And it's funny because my parents, when each one of us were born, they gave us a scripture. And of all the scriptures mm. that my parents chose for me, the first one that was spoken over me was Isaiah forty thirty one. They that wait. That's amazing. Right on there. the Lord shall renew their strength. Wow. They'll, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And I grew up singing a song about that with that scripture. And I grew up loving that scripture because that's the scripture that my parents, you know, gave me. That's beautiful. Not knowing that it would be something that I held on to. Yeah. That it was a real promise for my life. It wasn't a it wasn't this this self-fulfilling prophecy. It was a promise that God gave me before I even got to the waiting season. It was a gift from heaven to go like, hey, you're going to run. You're going to walk. You're not going to get exhausted. You're not going to be on pause. Like, even though you're waiting, there's going to be fruit in the waiting season. And I think that the, the temptation for all of us is to only focus on what we want, but not what surrounds us in that waiting season. Because yeah. there's always something that God's interested in. Yeah, I think about you. With. The whole church was built in that season of waiting it on was. a child. God was building his kingdom. It was. The entire time. You know, I had a word that someone gave to me. And obviously, I don't I don't live my life based off of every single word that people give right. me. You have to test that. Of course you do. You have to trust that. Yeah. But this one was unique. I I... There weren't a lot of sleepless nights over those eight years, to be honest. We came to a place where we tabled it and said, God, we're trusting you. We went to doctors. We love doctors. We thank God for them. Um, But we decided that we were just going to wait and trust. Um, And I'd had a late night that night before, 3.30 in the morning, I think. It was when we were working at Trinity with Rich's parents. And a woman walked up out of nowhere. It was a a grandmother in in the church. Mm. She was a a Haitian grandmother, amazing woman. Mm. But I really didn't know her. I had seen her for years. She was uh, family members of friends of mine. She handed me a crumpled up piece of paper. Do you know that it had the exact time of night that Rich and I had been crying, that I'm saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step is. Like, I just need God to give me clarity. And it literally said, um, do not worry. You have a lot of work to do. That is so and, good. And in the due time, just like Sarah, I will visit you. Mm. And that's all it said. And it was interesting to me, and it still is, that it said you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Because there is a lot of work to do in, in the waiting season. And you know what? It's fulfilling. Yeah. Because there's fruit. Yeah. I remember leading the choir and on Mother's Day, such a tough day for me. Not the day that, you know, for eight years that you want to show up. But right. the choir signing cards and saying, we thank you because you're like a mom to us. You love us. You speak life. And that breathed life to my soul. Like there are people to love. There are people to pour right. your life into. And, and this is the real legacy. It's not just one or two. It's this beautiful thing breathing, living thing called the church that God allows us to participate in and allows us to call family. That's, that's the legacy. Yeah. And it is life giving if we let it be. It is not life taking. Yes. And I even think about that, that word um, from that precious Haitian lady over your life about work to be done. And then the verse that you just mentioned of promise from your mom. Yes. Who said you won't grow weary in that work. And how those two things tie together today and are over your life to say, family is amazing and a gift from the Lord. It is. But I've called you to so much. Yes. And I don't want that to distract you from the gift that I've given you, which is to run after me, 
with full strength for all of your days. And I think that's, I watch so many people who get in that moment of being a mother and who get really torn. What then it's shall true. I do? Shall I do the work of God or shall I be a mom? It's true. And I think the beauty of God's way is that he allows us to do both in such beautiful ways, maybe different in different seasons. Exactly. Freedom in that, such freedom in that. But I look back on those eight years, I wouldn't take that back for anything. Not amazing. Because God developed so much in my heart. Like right. I discovered who he was in such a new way. And he pulled things out of me that I didn't even know were there and mm-hmm. developed relationships and passions and vision. And it was it was not a wasted season. And that's never God's plan. Yeah. I think about just your choice to build the church, Don Shree, and it speaks so deeply to me because— um, there was a season in our life, late in life, where we figured out that we were investing in a lot of beautiful, great things, but that had God had actually called us to build His church. And for me, there was a lot of reticence in that, primarily because I'd made it all the way to Louis was about to be 50. Um, I'd made it late in life, really not having to be in the pastor-wife role. I, I know it's a privilege. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Let me say that out loud. It's a huge sacrifice. But yeah, too. I was like, man, we've we've kind of gotten through those critical moments in life to the point that I feel like, oh, we're going to make it all the way through without me being the designated pastor's wife <laughs> who who brings the offertory and you know uh, leads the women's ministry and and yet, Bingo. but God, right? But, but God, God. I don't even. There's no words to even describe the way He calls us into seasons that are completely unexpected that we never felt like we were prepared for, yes. still don't. And yet he puts it in our hearts and says, hey, the most beautiful thing that you can do in your life is obey me. Yes. You can build layers upon layers of anything good, but if it's without obedience, it doesn't really matter to God. Right. And I want more than anything in my life, and I know you do yours, to say, I made it all the way to the end, and I did to the best of my ability. I obeyed. I tried to follow the lead of God and say yes to the things of God for my own life, irresponsible of everyone else and what they're doing, or if it's a good idea or a bad idea. I just want to hear the voice of God and obey. Yeah. And that led us to some difficult places of building the kingdom of God through church. And I was like, God, I, you knew I was willing to obey, but this, like, really— And yet God just said, I'm about to do something new through you. And so when I watch people like you who are committed to the building of the church, not just visiting churches and showing up with talks, not just um, using the church to build our book ministry, not just, but building layer by layer, brick by brick, the body of Christ through his church. Yeah. I have so much respect for you. Oh my so goodness, I we're following say, your lead. No, That's I don't. I mean, I line. hope you're not because, boy, are. that could lead you to some interesting no, places. <laughs> but I love that your heart is to invest in a group of people in that way and invest in the kingdom of God in that way. So I just want to say, as a fellow co-laborer with you, that I have an enormous amount of respect for you and Rich and the fact that you're putting your hands to the building of the church, which is not, as we know, an easy task, and yet you're obedient to the Lord. And it's beautiful to watch that fruit in your life because of that obedience. So thank you. Thank you. I I just, I think for us, it's an honor to even get to walk the trail that's been and continuing to be blazed by so many people like you and Louie. For us, 
it's been your example that's really made it uh, desirable for us. You know, being being a teenager, having grown up in church, but then being able to witness something like 722, something that God birthed in your heart, well, lit a fire and gave us a new vision of what God had actually uh, ordained for our life yeah, and for our so future. Beautiful. And so for me, local church is the greatest gift, the greatest responsibility, and it's not easy to pastor. It's right. such a big responsibility. But I think that it's easy when it gets easier when you realize that, okay, this is just life. I can't compartmentalize like marriage, kids, family, friends, and then church. Like church, just everything goes in the pot. That's right. And I think for Rich and I, the one thing that we've had to hold on to is that example of both of our parents and our Mm -hmm. grandparents, Mm -hmm. that this is just what we do. We're giving our lives away. But man, what a rich life to get to do life with so many people, to get to walk with them through the valleys and the mountains of their life. Like, I remember my grandfather's funeral, and my grandfather is like my hero. He would go to the hospitals every single morning in our city of Shreveport, Mm -hmm. Louisiana. He and my grandmother started a church 50-plus years Mm -hmm. ago, and really from nothing. And um, at his funeral, people lined up for hours just wow. to, to hug us and shake wow. shake hands. And it was story after story of my son was in the hospital. I was in a tough place. I didn't know what to do. I, our family was broken apart. And it was it was the tough times that had marked every single person in there. Mm-hmm. And it was really a revelation for us of like, mm-hmm. this is what ministry is. Like my dad said at the funeral, I'll never forget. He said, people will never remember the messages that you spoke. What they will remember is you standing next to them in the toughest times of their life right. and the greatest moments of victory. And I think that's what pastoring what is all privilege. about. Yeah. It's a privilege yeah. to show up. Yeah. Just to be present in people's lives is like the biggest gift too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I um, people ask me all the time, how do you do the amount of stuff you do? feels like you guys travel all over and yet you're here every week. Like, I don't understand how you're carrying all this stuff. And I, I honestly wake up every day and think what a privilege it is that I get to invest in the lives of so many different people, whether that's leading the Grove with 3,000 women or having a dinner at my house with thir- yes. three. It's yes. the same gift. Yeah. It is the exact same privilege to be in people's lives in whatever manner it is. And I don't ever want to take any of it lightly, and I know you don't either. I want to be grateful right. that I get to be the person that gets to stand there. And um, man, what a gift, even just to see the long arc of even your family's life and to hear that about your grandfather in the long run and to be able to go back to today and realize what's important. <laughs> I mean, what a yes. gift for you not to miss out on, oh, I lived my whole life thinking one thing mattered. And it's yet true. when I got to the end, I figured out everything else was what mattered. But for you to hear, this is a guy who lived a long time and invested well. Yes. So we're going to come back to you as a younger person and say, hey, just so you know, this is what's important. Right. And I don't think it matters if you're a pastor or if you serve once a month That's right. in the kids' ministry at your church. Right. It's like, may none of us ever get familiar with the beautiful thing that God is creating through His church globally. Yes. And may we not miss the opportunity to be a part. Yeah. Something so much bigger than ourselves. Like, I don't I don't want to um, become entitled. I don't want to become familiar. This has nothing to do with me. God's allowing us to enter into the story that That's He's right. already started. He started way before we were here. So we got to stay grateful. That's incredible. That's the best word in the world to end on. So thank you. Thank you today thank for you. just hanging. It is like the biggest gift to I me. love the so, Grove. I love you. Love you too. 
I told you you were going to be completely blown away by Dawn Cherie. She and Rich are just some of the most phenomenal people. You can check out more of the information on their church because she is a church girl at thechurch.com. And be sure to stay tuned with us over the next few weeks because we've got some fun opportunities for you to link up during the summer and see what's coming next on the Grove Podcast.